Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did some podcast studying. Uh, 66% of podcasts are consumed by people from age 18 to 44. And 25% of (laughs) podcasts are consumed by people 55 or older. Which means, gentlemen, we left ourselves a little (laughs) 9% of the tasty 9% slice of the pie, right? That is so funny. I like it. Those are our people. I got to say the good news is we fucking own that demographic. I was going to say, if you (laughs) dominate 9%, you are, you are millionaires. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. I saw Krugerman last night. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> Nobody cares. Fellas, how are you? Welcome to 2020. I cannot believe we are here. Uh, 2020 of season two on 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Podcast brought to you, hosted by Electrocast Podcast Network. Uh, ben Barton, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, we listen, list sad historical facts and then make jokes about it. Is that what we do? <laughs> and listen to music and Excellent. then say it's good. Yes, that's correct. That? We pick, there you go. Uh, I knew there was something that we did. That was what I planned to do, actually. <laughs> we go year by year and pick our favorite albums uh, for each year we have been alive. And now we're in 2020. Uh, very close. Very close to current day. Uh, sorry. So Jeff, Jeff Simons, you did see a band recently, and the name of the band was? Uh, Krungabin. I saw them last night at the Greek Theater with two two friends of mine. They're, are they a jam band? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure what they are. Thanks. They're like a combination of instrumental jam band slash performance art slash um, calling of the eclectic. It was pretty okay. interesting. It was, the Greek Theater is this beautiful place, outdoor, 8,000 seat like old stone amphitheater on UC Berkeley's campus. And uh, they, you know, the band comes out, they've got like a hilarious stage with the drummer, like 20 feet in the air and like (laughs) risers for the bass player and guitarist to walk up and down. It's like an old kiss stage setup. Well, and they wear masks. Do do they? No, no, no. That's not them. No masks. No, I thought. How do you spell it? How do you spell K-U-R, but it's not. It's K H R U A, and it is a uh, tie for airplane. That is what Krungabin means. Okay. 
Great. Okay. Uh, which somebody had to tell me. Uh, but um, they basically play mid-tempo, um, mildly groovy music. And the drummer sits way up top and plays like very tight, quiet, like. And then the bass player and the guitar player just kind of slowly walk back and forth, trading sides of the stage and play at people. And sometimes they walk out to the middle and then sometimes they go up on the risers and every once in a while she does like a little knee bend suggestive, like this is a cool moment. And every once in a while he, uh, like nods at the crowd, okay. um, but it is the most laid back, like groovy. Like if they were standing still, you would think you were at like a high school jazz band. Can I ask you a personal question? Uh, you can. How much did the ticket cost? Oh, it was like 45 bucks or something like that. Okay. It was a very reasonable concert ticket. See, it's completely so sold funny out. Because uh, a friend of mine recommended them and they came to Asheville and it was 55 bucks. And I was like, that's too expensive. So 45 bucks, you're okay. It's a big show. It's a big arena, 8,000 seat. And they played two nights and they both sold out. It was wow. packed. Wow. It was absolutely packed. But it was a really interesting crowd. It was like, it was eclectic and all kinds of different people and all kinds of different levels of music fandom. Like I thought the crowd was a really pleasant group of people to spend the evening with. Like- I enjoyed that. All right. And they got it going at the end. They had the disco ball and the light show. And it, oh, and it well, got, disco it got ball. a little. Ben, are you in with the disco ball? Oh, very pro disco ball. Oh, Can't say great. very pro Krungabin, but uh, <laughs> pro disco ball for well, sure. I, I actually found, I did, I like, uh, based on my algorithm where I look at the best reviewed records in 2018, apparently I bought a Krungabin record. You did. Con Todo El Mundo. Uh -huh. And it looks like I chose only one song from it, oh. which is Maria Tambien. And, and the which rest is which is the big hit. It was. Oh, the, is that true? It was. Well, I've got good taste. Then. You do. Awesome. It was the that set closer, really and they broke into Miserlou, the old, um, the old surf rock thing in the middle of it. And wow. then they went back to their song. But they, they do all these medleys of instrumental, like mashups of like, you know, 30 seconds of Let's Dance into 30 seconds of uh, an old disco song into 30 seconds of Sex You Up. Like, it's pretty funny. Huh. Um, but it's all gigantically tongue in cheek. And uh and the kids, the kids love it, guys. I mean, the kids with a Z were I cannot, I cannot, having a time. I cannot wait to talk to you about um, uh, our podcast uh, in a little bit. We're going to do it a little later on, but thinking of demographics, which I think you have just broached that subject. So, Jeff, this sounds like King Gizzard and then Lizard Wizard, who I saw at no. um, Bonnaroo. Now, hold on. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Georgia... And her buddy and I caught the last 45 minutes of King Gizzard. And it was like rock music Mad Libs. Like yeah. every 45 seconds, they played <laughs> another rock song. Wow. And they just were just mashing all the way through it. And I was like, on the one hand, I was I was a little insulted. Because I, I was like, you. really? This is it? Like, you're just going to like, you're going to bridge everything and turn it into the coat of many colors. Like, this is what rock music <laughs> has become. That being said, I was like, I was it. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> okay like that and uh like that that version of it where you're like oh this is a thing that's an old thing and i'm just gonna mash it all together into one gigantic you know 20 minute medley it's kind of okay all right speaking of kind of okay let's move <laughs> on to our grammy winner for the year 2020 um it is not norse 
mythology, Jeff Simons. It is Taylor Swift. It's the Grammy winner. It's the number one album. Folklore by Taylor Swift. Salt air And the rust on your door I never needed anything more Or whispers Of are you sure Never have I ever before But I can see us lost in the memory August slipped away into a moment in time Cause it was never mine and I can see us twisted in bed sheets August slipped away like a bottle of wine Cause you were never mine You're back beneath Good stuff. That's my favorite. T-Swizzle. Uh, is your... that your favorite on this record? Is that yeah, mine? I, like that. I, I, think, I think so. I like... I, no, no, I'm reminds... asking Timmy. I'm asking Timmy. What's oh, Timmy's gotcha. favorite? That is not my favorite. Uh, my Let's favorite hear it. is the... Um, the American Dynasty, the last great American Dynasty. Wow, that is my really? least favorite song. No, really, by some distance. Huh? Really, that one almost turned me off the whole record at track three. I was like, Oh dear God. Huh? No, I love love storytelling. So I'm a huge fan of the Bon Iver one, Exile. Yep. Um, but my two favorites are Invisible String and Peace. Invisible String, in particular, like just that's on my running mix. It just powerfully moves me every single time. This idea that there's this like secret relationship out there that you've been building towards that it pulls you together. Absolutely right. love it. Cool. It's um it's also the number one selling album of 2020, which is which, no surprise. by the way, I just can't believe that Lover was the number one selling album two years ago. Like That's she's just a freaking monster. She's on fire. Monster Absolutely on fire. And I'm uh, sure Evermore must have been like, you know, in the top 10. Like she sure. just, just tore it up. Tore it up. And also, uh, like, Bon Iver and that whatever the dude is for the National are just like, oh, look at this. We got a beach house. That was funny. Another check on it. coming in the mail. Well, I wanted, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about the Grammys in 2020 because there were several Lifetime Achievement Awards in 2020. And we're going to play a game of thumbs up, don't care, thumbs down. I can't going wait. To- I can't wait. But you actually have to say the words thumbs up or thumbs down um, because this is an an oral podcast. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Here we go. All of these artists received Lifetime Achievement Awards in 20. And I'm agreeing with the with the with them or disagreeing with the. Oh, you're like excited for the thumbs up for them. You're like, eh, don't care. Uh, Thumbs down. You're like, oh, my God. Are you serious, Grammy? Ready? Uh, first artist, Chicago. Meh. Jeff is, Jeff is meh, and I'm a hard thumbs down, for sure. Hard <laughs> thumbs down. What about uh, They're not honoring them for that first record, which is kind of sort of listenable. They're honoring yeah. them for the later records, which is super unfortunate. I uh, totally next agree. Up. Next up. All of Chicago 1 and half of Chicago 2, I actually like. And then it's a downward slide from Chicago two and a half all the way to Chicago 708 or whatever record they're on. Now. And downward slide is like the water slide. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like air. shoots and ladders. Like, yeah. it's like, no, you're at the very, very top. And the person at the bottom is like, don't go, don't go. And you're like, what? And you get in. And the reason they told you not to go is someone just pooped at the bottom. And that's the downslide <laughs> that you're landing in the poop. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's so funny. 
when when I first started writing up this bit, I'm like, oh, they're <laughs> they're they're not gonna do thumbs down on it. They're gonna be happy for everyone and their effort and stuff. <laughs> I was I was wrong. That was my fault. By the way, you don't even listen to our own podcast, Tim. It's fantastic. That song's great, Tim. You referenced twenty five years before. That song. Love everything that song. about that. Everything about that song is great. Everything about um, the glory of love is the opposite bad Whoa. of all that sounds good that is peter satara out on his own how dare you oh, yes, all right uh, next artist with the lifetime achievement award roberta flack oh yeah no beef that's fine that's fine but but i'm not a huge roberta flack like killing me softly is a great song she has a song called reverend lee that i absolutely love okay. which is about this teenage girl like falling for Reverend Lee when uh, she knows that she shouldn't and oh, he knows dear. that she shouldn't. And Whoa, it's like that's super creepy and low, slow, slow soul groove. It's from 1968. I highly now, recommend India's mom Lee. is a huge female jazz vocalist fan. Okay. Nina Simone is probably her favorite artist. Love Nina Simone. We're randomly listening through a mix of these songs. Like, I'm just trying to please her when I'm with her. She's my mother-in-law. So I'm just like, I'm like playing whatever mix I can to try and just pass time. And so we're playing a female jazz vocalist thing and Roberta Flack comes up and she's like, oh, when Killing Me Softly. I'm like, oh, you don't like Killing Me Softly? She's like, I was one of Roberta Flack's original fans. Oh, came up in DC, which I looked up and it's true. And she's like, I saw her play like five or six times at this jazz club and I loved her and I hate it when she sold out with this pop crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that God. The best take of all time. I was like, oh my God, you were in at the ground floor, Roberta Flack, and you're killing her. You're oh, killing you're her. Selling out. That's oh, unbelievable. Man. I didn't know it was possible to, to hate Roberta Flack that much for killing me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, and that song that's... is fucking great. It was yeah. amazing. Uh, Isaac Hayes. Oh, thumbs up on Isaac yes, Hayes. Yes, for sure. Come on now. Okay. All right. Uh, Iggy Pop. Sure. That's fine. Although okay. he's in the hall mostly because he's a genetic freak who um, still looks like a skeleton at 78 years old. Like, if he had gotten all kind of pudgy he, and fudgy the whale, him. there's no way he makes the Lifetime Achievement Award. Like, uh, they're giving the actual physical <laughs> specimen of Iggy Pop an award as much as his musical career. All right. We also have John Prine. Oh, pro. Sure. Sure. Great. Great. Uh, Public Enemy. Without oh, question. Oh, big thumbs up. Look, right on time with that. 2020 is the time. They yeah. were like, just yeah. came in right there, like right on the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the same time, at the same year, they also um, awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award to Sister Rosetta Tharp. Okay. Wow, I can't name a song by her. Can you? She's the incredible guitarist from the 40s, right? Is she? Sister I mean, Rosetta? I know the, na I know the name, yeah. but I, I, I mean... 40s or that, 50s? That feels like a, a Lifetime Achievement Award of like, looking at who you've who you've lifetime achieved and being like whoops and starting to fill in some gaps to me <laughs> okay wow Tough that's crowd. a cold, Tough crowd. The cultural moment hey ben, yeah, Barton. Sure. ben Barton, i think there was an omission by the grammy voters in 2020 and i think we would like to give a lifetime achievement award oh yeah jeff Simons ah! 2020 
Because in 2020, Jeff Simons wrote, recorded, produced, released his own album. Yes. I Comes out in 2020, Jeff Simons. Same day as McCartney. Same, uh, same release same, date. Same day as what? McCartney 3. That was, we had, we shared the release date. Okay. Okay. I have uh, a screenshot of uh, Billboard magazine, like this week's releases, and it says uh, Paul McCartney 3, Jeff Simons, River Run. I'm like, that let's right. go. <laughs> well, we want it. The reason it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, because this is, um, an album you've been working on in several different iterations for over 20 years. Is that correct? I guess it is. Yeah. 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 There was an original version of it in 95 or six. And then, yeah, that's, I guess that's true. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to make you play a little, uh, Ben, what song do you want Jeff to play? All right. So we've already featured several different songs. I'm going to choose my favorite song that we haven't talked about. Oh, I never lie when it comes to that. Just 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 the guitar part, like Jeff's guitar playing, so great on this. So good. River Run by Jeff Simons. self-taught on the guitar true or false <laughs> totally true wow right. and, and you taught yourself to play without a pick true or false yes also true very dire straightsy i mean obviously you're not an opler but i mean like the <laughs> that's like the, for sure the, the strumming plucking pulling like you just have a lot of different things going on there i always love that and then you come like, so good so i wish good. i wish i could say that it's me showing tremendous control of the instrument that's just what happens when i bash away at it that's but that's good. That keeps it fresh. There's also uh, an acoustic guitar buried in there somewhere. I'm playing like a hundred miles an hour, like ding 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 ding, ding, ding trying to add a little more uh, spice to it. But uh, so, every time we, I tried to bring it too far in the mix, the whole thing just sounded like. <clears throat> so I had and, to bury and, it. And just to show your range, I'm gonna make you go to minute 120 of music I've forgotten, and we'll just which do is like Timmy and my favorite song. We'll just do 25, 30 seconds of it. 120? Yes, please. And I guess over time I thought you'd soften Your love's like music I've forgotten
So you first played some version of this album for me in 1996 outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico, when we were in graduate school. Um, and that song in particular just grabbed me by the throat. Once again, I love stories in music. I don't know if you remember Jeff Simons, but you gave me a tape once upon a time. And I still have that tape. No way. With the bridge for that song that did not make it onto the album. And I, um, I tried to record it onto my phone in my car today because my car <laughs> has is a, tape a, player. Is a 96 Accord that still has a tape player. I'd love did, to it just, any, did it just eat the tape? Like, blah, blah, blah. Do any listeners out there have an older car than a 96 Accord? And you can't like be rich and like you, you fixed up a charger or something. Like, is anyone still unironically uh, driving a car older than 96? Um, the tape player broke today. Yeah. So I went to school and went to every language classroom. Uh, my language teachers no longer uh, using tape players. I went to Goodwill. Oh my God! Oh, look at the tape player. <laughs> look at and, that thing. And the tape player doesn't work. So I went to every colleague over the age of fifty. None of them have tape players anymore. And then my neighbors. Would you oh, look at this? Look, look at, at that. the little box. They're only 30 years old, and yet they've got it going on. Check out this bridge. Oh my God, this is so funny. Love is like music I forgot. Yeah, that sounds like a demo, all right. That's in the, this is in the song. So far, we're just listening to a, an old, bad version of what's now on the record. For those of you who would like to hear this in hi-fi, you can hear it. Here it is, here it is. The gypsy singing for us. Yeah. And also, I, no penny whistle. No penny whistle to be found. <laughs> Do you believe I'm, I still have that? That's pretty impressive, dude. I mean, you might want to give a poor guy a heads up before, like, you want me to, nah. like, I have a poem you wrote in 1996. I'd like to read it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, man, that's funny. Woo. Yeah, no, I did it. I recorded it. I recorded the singing. It didn't work. It didn't sound right. I made some choices that, but my dear friends who are just the greatest who bother to even spend this much time with my art, I can't tell you how much I love and uh, appreciate it from you fellas, but well, uh, I'm sorry I let you down with the bridge on music. I no, forgot. we just love that in 2020, you're like, you know what? I I still want to put that thing out there. I still yeah, want to- amazing. I want to I want to kind of get back into that and and um, and share it with the world. And it's just super awesome, super well, thank courageous. You. And the scary and thing is once you get back in, you're back in. Like I got another EP that's done and coming out soon. And then the second oh. record is uh, is pretty much written. I just have to figure out when to record it. So Well, I cannot wait. It's going to have lots of penny whistles. To listen to it on my new stereo. Well, like, like all good hipster um, 
bands, I will be releasing a cassette only format so that you can, you'll be the only one who can enjoy it. But dear right. listeners, uh, we've already, we've, we've hyped Jeff's record, but if you have not listened to music, I've forgotten. It's a six minute, just heartbreak song, just heartbreak. wrenching for sure. And um, God, we just love it. We love it. And with that, let's get a commercial in. Because Jeff's a sellout, and that's damn right. Just bring it on, River Run Halliburton. Uh, brought to you by River Run. I'm, I'm not proud. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. By the way, the number one Spotify song for Sister Rosetta Tharp, My Journey to the Sky, with 3.1 million listens. All right. Um, The only song I recognized is Didn't It Rain and Maybe Rock Me, but the Didn't It Rain is definitely the Mahalia Jackson. I've never heard a Sister Rosetta Tharp song. And not to be mean, but I really like Old Gospel. So I'll just leave it there. Yep. Okay. My Journey to the Sky. All right. Well, let's get to uh, 2020. It wasn't that long ago, so I think we remember brush fires in Australia. Man, oh. that was terrible. Wasn't that terrible? And then COVID hit, and I hope they went out. I have no idea. <laughs> is that right? I remember that about the I brush mean, fires it was in Australia. Awful, like, and it was so an absolute tragedy, and everybody yeah. was like, and we're moving on. Oh, um, do you remember? Because... We were alive. Edward VIII abdicating the throne, stepping down as a royal in 1937. And that, I never thought of this, but that seemed to open up the opportunity for Hitler to step in. In 2020, Harry and Meghan stepped down as royals in January. Did that open the door for COVID? Oh my goodness, I didn't. I didn't put those two things together. It does Tim, seem but like you, their fault. It does seem like their fault. You may have Good identified point. it. Good point. It's not yeah. a Chinese lab. It's those two. Can as just... long as we're spitballing, let's go ahead and blame it on people. <laughs> um, can you believe there's still a thing like these royal family that the royal family is still a thing? I just can't even oh. believe it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right, moving on. Uh, Brexit. Oh, you remember right. we talked about this, but my the thing I cannot shake and will keep me up for the next thirty years is that the number one thing Google got, Googled on the next day was yeah. what is Brexit. Oh, <laughs> that's the number one thing oh. Googled in England the day after that vote <laughs> was what is Brexit. I'm just like, oh. Good Lord. Um, this is why it says danger, hot beverage on coffee cups. Like we're just <laughs> trying to kill ourselves. So uh, this was one heck of a year. Uh, all three of our schools shut down. The NBA shut down. There was no NCAA tourney. Um, Do you remember um, the, the game, the NBA game that was about to start? That, yeah. Uh, you remember that? Is that in Denver? No, it was uh, OKC against the Jazz. 
Okay. And you remember what Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert did? licked a mic and breathed on people. Licked a, a mic and touched Ugh. all of their recorders, and he had it at that. He was the first guy to get it. Unbelievable. I thought of that when uh, the Timberwolves gave up their entire team <laughs> for Rudy Gobert. I was like, really? Not in this one. Not exactly Mr. Teammate on COVID night. By the way, we were discussing earlier, gentlemen, the, uh, the, the, the future of this podcast. And I think this pivots to an NBA podcast so easily, just right away. <laughs> really does. <laughs> we could actually just halfway through, like, for those of you listening for the NBA, please turn up. For the rest of you, you may now log off. Oh, yeah. By the way, I watched the Summer League finale on Sunday. So I've got a lot of thoughts about the New York Knicks. Oh, wow. dude, I watched, I watched an embarrassing amount of James Wiseman's Summer League ball and had way too many hard opinions. <laughs> All right, you guys. I'm sick. Crazy. I'm really, I'm, I, it's reaching levels of, uh, of desperate. Uh, well, speaking of podcasts, our podcast was born in 2020, born of the, fear and isolation that COVID brought us. Um, here's an interesting question. How many podcasts, new podcasts were born in 2020? Well, I'm guessing it's the number of humans on planet earth divided by two. So I'm going to say <laughs> 3 billion. <laughs> um, there were, uh, 150,000 podcasts born oh my God. in 2020, um, which is remarkable. There, there were already 700,000 in 2019. And in 2021, we had 850,000 podcasts. Of course, podcast popularity was growing at the same time. But I wonder if people also just got tired of watching TV and said, you know what? I got thoughts. My question is how many podcasts have done more than a hundred episodes though? Oh. We've got to be in rarefied air now that we've stuck to it. Like, Oh, sure. We're over a hundred. That's a, I mean, that's, that's a Great. lot of content, man. I'm that's proud of us. Content. Um, you're going to love this. I did some podcast studying. 66% uh, of podcasts are consumed by people from age 18 to 44 and 25% of <laughs> podcasts are consumed by people 55 or older, which means gentlemen, we left ourselves a little 9% of a the tasty market. 9% slice of the pie. Right. That there. is so I funny. Like I like it. So Those funny. are our people. I got to well, say the that good news we, is we fucking own that demographic. I was going to say, if you <laughs> dominate 9%, you are, you are millionaires. Not that we're millionaires. Well, 9% we of people, well, 9% of the, of the uh, pie, but then out of that 9%, um, we're looking for people who really like music. And we've also turned off some conservatives over the, over the course of our- Oh, I doubt that. I think we have a raffish charm even oh. for conservatives. Oh, well, that's... we are. I think we we we're obviously wanting to find common ground at the table. Come on now. OK, maybe not you. I am. I am looking for common <laughs> ground at the table. Um, all right. And, and finally, a couple more things. Um, and then we'll get to our three uh, albums. Um, George Floyd is killed in 2020. And, um, and and for the first time, it seems like there was real momentum behind Black Lives Matter. And, and there, 
it had been building and building and building and building. And, um, and suddenly it, the, the whole concept started to make inroads. Do either of you know how many Confederate symbols came down in the year 2020? All around the country, different, different types of symbols. Uh, do you have any guesses? I would guess over 100. Great. Um, yeah, over 100 statues and 168 symbols throughout. Right here in Asheville, North Carolina, the Vance Monument came down, which was um, an obelisk in the, the city square that had been there for decades and decades. And that came down because Vance was the biggest slave trader in Asheville. Um, and the city created Black Lives Matter Plaza right there where Vance Monument stood. Anything happening at Berkeley? I can't imagine Berkeley had many symbols of the Confederacy. Not a lot of Confederate symbols in Berkeley, but um, no, there wasn't anything to take down. There were some rena renaming. There Berkeley got into some stuff that I think is more debatable, like Jefferson Elementary School, Washington Elementary School were renamed. Um, Drake High School was renamed because of Sir Francis Drake's connection to the slave trade. Yeah. Um, so there was a renaming project, but uh, it, it seeped into some more complicated spaces than like taking Robert E. Lee's name off of your middle school. So. Uh, the, the downtown, the pumping heart of downtown is Market Square right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Right. And there was a historical marker there describing that it had been a market since 1850 and that okay. it was featured in the fantastic book, A Death in the Family by Novella by James Agee. There's a great scene where he finds his dad in a bar in Market Square that's in that book. And, you know, this freaking sign had an American flag and a Confederate flag on the top of it for no reason whatsoever. Oh, wow. And India King Canada took care of that problem. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the um, Market Square in Annapolis, Maryland, of course, is uh, was a slave port very early and for a very long time. Right at the foot of the Naval Academy was the uh, place where Frederick Douglass was brought in. Right. Uh, and where Kunta Kinte famously was sold from in Alex Haley's book, Roots. And uh, there was like a little market there my whole life where you could go buy live crabs and and Snickers bars. But of course, before it sold seafood and treats, it sold human beings. And they did the right thing, but not until the 90s. They put a actually a very moving tribute to Alex Haley's roots and a statue of Kinte there. And it changed oh. the tenor of that whole area. Because, you know, that square has a tavern from 1690. Wow. And then it has this then it has this terrible Confederate slave history. So it has this pre-colonial, like early, like some of the earliest American market square. Then it goes into, and then it tries to become like a, you know, cosmopolitan late 19th century American trade port right after the war because it's basically a northern port. So this yeah. is the most northern of the southern ports. So. It's so funny that you consider Annapolis northern when I think of it as the south. Well, it depends on who you're hanging out with, really. Yeah. Really the guys does. wearing uh, yachting pants and topsiders with no socks want to be northern, but all it takes is a few beers and it becomes southern real quick. <laughs> all right, let's get to our three albums. Our three albums. And I think I'm first because I, I went second last time, right? Let's, let's do go. it. So I'm going to... Uh, 
I'm going to start by talking a little bit about a thing that you have to be careful talking about, especially on a on a feel good chuckle hut podcast like this. I want to talk chuckle about <laughs> I want to talk about religion and faith oh. for a minute. <laughs> Hold on, I got um, that down. Uh, so. This is interesting. We have a, a podcast with, of three men with very different relationships to faith. Um, Tim raised devout uh, Catholic and uh, as an adult, um, having a more complicated relationship with that faith. Does your mom listen to the podcast? She does not. Okay. So, so Tim's <laughs> not as much of a churchgoer as he used to be, but I was going to throw some cover. Ben's still a pretty devout guy. Fascinating relationship with faith was a religion major in college um and then you've got uh me uh and i i was agnostic before i knew what the word was and developed pretty quickly an atheist point of view and have really only grown into that like i'm a really happy confident not angry uh uh, atheist and religion doesn't make me angry until it uh, no longer ceases to be a unifying agent around peace and love, but becomes kind of a weapon, which, uh, but, but so many things become weapons. It's not like those folks who are like, religion has destroyed the world. I'm like, yeah, we can put it on the list if you want to, but, um, but anyway, the three of us very close and, uh, but three really different um relationships religion but even as an atheist i'm fascinated by faith i'm fascinated by people who have it i'm fascinated by sacred texts uh i am an atheist who has read the entire old and new testament i've read the book of mormon uh, i've read pretty hefty sections of the quran i'm interested in it and i'm very interested in people who have faith and how they have come to have it maintain it their continued relationship to it religion and rock music um have not successfully mixed all that often, right? Sometimes when there's an attempt to, to make a complicated statement about religion, it gets lost in the shuffle. When it uh, falls into the category of what, what people would call Christian rock, it's frequently really crappy. Does anybody remember Striper, the Christian heavy metal band? Oh, that for up like sure. Remember them well. I mean, for God's sake, right? And, um, and I don't like dogma, like... It's not like I'm looking for atheist bands. Like, I'm not going to like seek out a record that's like, he's not real. He's not real. I'm like, oh, finally, this thing for me. Like, I want art to be good. So like when when non-religious art is bad, I'm not like, you know, apologizing for it. And I'm not going to go out of my way to say nice things about religious um, art because I'm trying to be polite. So like, but Christian rock is kind of a punching bag. A lot of bad Christian rock. And it's their own fault. Like, they they create all these rules and there's all there's such huge limitations on the artists themselves. Um, but the guy who made my favorite record of 2020 is a guy I've loved since 2007. And this is a raging comeback record. And he's a guy who gets his start, not just in Christian rock, but fundamentalist Christian rock. Derek Webb um, starts in a band called Cademan's Call in 1993. This is a kid raised in fundamentalist Christianity. He doesn't go to college. Um, he decides he wants to pursue his life as a musician. And he gets into a quartet of, of a, it's a fundamentalist Christian band. They make several records. Um, I can't really, to quote Marlon Brando in A Streetcar Named Desire, I can't do nothing with them. 
Like they are super dogmatic. Derek Webb's a terrific guitar player and a, has just a, a remarkable voice. Um, and after four or five years in that band, he goes solo. Um, he makes a couple of solo records um, that don't do anything for me. But in 2007, he puts out a record called The Ringing Bell. Um, and, and I hear this record blind. Like, I don't know who Derek Webb is. I don't know about this, that it's this. But the, I hear the first single and I'm like, this, this guy is fantastic. This riff is great. He can sing his ass off. Who is this guy? So I buy the record and it's a record about faith. It's a record about he has just fallen in love. He's getting married to another fundamentalist Christian who's also a musician. And the record's about that. And But it's also about um, losing your faith and faith being able to sustain you like he's obviously like outgrowing the micro community of fundamentalism that's like just look inward don't look outward outward is sin let the government be the government we will build this community that only worries about itself and as long as we you know like and he's obviously just too ambitious and too bright to not poke his head up and look around and say well, what else is going on and he starts to get really interested and well, what does it mean to try to live a kind of life that we're trying to live in a country that doesn't try to live it also? The next records, um, Stockholm Syndrome, also fantastic. But he starts to lose his fundamentalist Christian audience. And for the kinds of things that you're like, really? He uses the word damn in a song on Stockholm Syndrome. And all the Christian radio stations ban all of his work, past, present, and future, and all the Christian little outlets that sell only Christian music throw all the Derek Webb CDs out the front door and ban him for life. And it's just the kind of thing that's like, this is really happening in 2009 that the use of the word damn and, and, and Webb's response is not to apologize. Webb's response is not to like, oh, geez, I'm so sorry. He doesn't want to lose his audience. He's just like, he gets curious about what that means. Like, well, what does it mean that all these people who are supposedly in mission with me and who I'm supposedly speaking with and to whom, like if they'll cut me off like that in a second over some self-imposed rigidity, like what is what does it say about them? What does it say about me? And and Webb starts to wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Um, so the record is called Stockholm Syndrome, which is about loving your captor. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very sonically adventurous record. Would you agree? Yes, it starts. And to... I mean that as super extra mega high praise. Yep. That being said, I think that's part of the problem too. It's part like, of the problem. The but record he's... is like, it's a, it's an actual, like there's portions of the record that sound like an electronica record where it's like, yep. Bom, bom, well, he's, and, where he's singing over it. And, the and tour, I'm sure that also did not go over. The tour is just him playing guitar and singing a drummer and a guy doing all everything else, just like a bank of keyboards and computers and running. And like, he's a really early um, adapter of like what electronica could look like um, live. Oh yeah. I mean the song, he's got a song, the spirit versus the kick drum and another oh. song black eye, both of which I love, but they're like radiohead songs. Yeah, like, no, they're, they're weird. Wow. So again, I think it's partially the damn thing, but also I think he was just out. He was out, out kicked his coverage. With he's out kicked. There's no question he out kicked his coverage. The next 10 years are not good for Derek Webb. His marriage falls apart. They get divorced, which is just a verboten thing. Like, so they're both blacklisted in the community. He's completely open that the reason he gets a divorce is that he's had an extramarital affair. She's also a singer songwriter of some renown. They have a folk duo thing where they make recordings on the side. And his life falls apart. 
he makes a record called uh, It's Over, I'm Sorry, and I Love You, where he just kind of writes and talks about that. But these records are not great. I mean, as somebody who is telling you to go listen to Derek Webb, like from 2009 to 2020, his work is really hit and miss. He makes two covers records that I don't like very much. There's one or two good songs in the records. And his life is obviously, he's like, he's losing his marriage. He's losing his faith, or at least he's losing the version of his faith that he used to have. And it's all kind of playing out in his art. And so I can't tell you how thrilled I was when Targets, his 2020 record hits, and it hits like an absolute just punch in the face, slam dunk return to form. It's got a lot of the sonic weirdness of the of the Stockholm Syndrome, but it's got all of this great guitar playing that he had from his early records. It's just uh, I just loved it from the moment. And I loved it partly because I was like, oh, this guy's kind of discovered himself again. Like he's this is this is confident sounding art by a guy who I've always admired, but whom I have very little in common with. I mean, this is a Midwestern guy who, who, was, who went insular and small and went deep into a, a very tiny, rigid, dogmatic community and became a star within it. And then, as you say, Ben, like outgrew it, blew out of it. And when he came out the other side, was like, oh, I have to completely reinvent myself. And I've always been like, I never wanted to be king of Annapolis. Like my goal was to be strong enough to get to leave. And I've always been like a, like where, you know, I've always been an outward looking person. Right. And I've never been somebody who has turned to faith as a way to re-energize my desire to try to be a good person and do the right thing. And Webb always has, and yet his music and him has always really spoken to me. So here's this song, the title track, and track one of Webb's record targets from 20, 2020 is I just I love the the uh, religious illusions here. Put the water into wineskins. Put the baby in the basket. It's a song about infidelity, about not being able to believe in things, but ultimately being able to believe in yourself. That if you can face the target on your back you'll realize you put it there yourself. And if you could just be strong enough to be a good person, just because you just might be able to do it. So here's the middle. I'm jumping to the middle so you can just hear a verse and a chorus and just hear what a, what a, what I think is great sounding record this is. And here we go. Targets by Derek Webb. <laughs>
touching up the lines of every road I've double crossed, touching up the paint on every line I've ever crossed. It's such a great lyric. So many good lyrics on this record. Fundamentalist Christian there. No longer, no longer. No longer. Recovering, as it were. Yeah, but I think still a... A seeker? I think he's still, yeah, definitely still a seeker. You know, they, he's described by his former community as somebody without faith and without morality. But um, that is not the sense I, he strikes me as profoundly human. Uh, okay. So. Anyway, I love this record and I love this artist, but uh, this one or Stockholm Syndrome or The Ringing Bell, those three records, any, start with any of them and uh, you'll be, you'll be satisfied. I and, think. and Ben, he's uh He's pretty adventurous musically. For sure. And I'm super extra mega pleased. You guys are getting a little peek behind the curtain. This is exactly what it's like to be friends with Jeff Simons, <laughs> where he's like, you got to listen to Derek Webb. And I'm like, who the hell is that? And he's like, oh, he's a Christian rock guy that you're really going to like. <laughs> and I'm like, good luck with that. And he's like, no, I got here, I got here. <laughs> Wore my ass out. I got all three of those records. Um, yeah, the, I already mentioned my two favorites are Black Eye, Spirit versus the Kick Drum. And then um, on Ringing Bell, my favorite is This Too Shall Be Made Right. Yeah. Three and a half minute piano ballad about God fixing things, even how mm. broken they are. Just absolutely beautiful. All right. Um, all right. Off the top of your head, besides Derek Webb, if I say religious singers or bands, what comes to mind? Judy Sill, the first Judy Sill record is a beautiful record about faith and loss. It's uh, Jesus was a crossmaker is her favorite, her most famous song. Okay. And it's just, I just love that one. Ben, There's who one comes of, to mind for you? Oh, I consider Joshua Tree to be a deeply religious yes, record. Yes, totally and agree. Always powerfully moves me. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm on, the, I'm on, the, I'm on the, and you know, it's funny. Derek Webb's a YouTube fanatic on his covers record. Oh, sweet. He does where the streets have no name and one, which I think wow. is just so funny. You know what a covers record needs is two U2 songs. <laughs> um, and not deep cuts either. Like huge, no, massive, gigantic U2 hits. So funny. And the same key too. He's like, I want her. He doesn't be singing along in the car to that his whole life. He's like, you know, I should just do that. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> so Jeff, uh, you once told me The Call. Oh yeah. Super they Christian. were they were a Christian band too. Yeah. They're not as good as these other artists who are named, but I love that Everywhere I Go song. That song's great. Yeah, and, and and Jeff, Mr. Mister, Kyrie Eleison no and Broken Wings. Those are your two favorite songs, right? Those are great. You know, those songs have aged really well. They were really recorded. I heard... Um, oh, Broken Kyrie, Wings. Look yeah. at me every time. I heard Kyrie on, the ra on like 80s radio the other day. I was like, I gotta say, this song's cheesy as hell, but it sounds dynamite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those guys knew what they were doing. All right, Ben Barn, what do you got for 2020? Okay, so um, the album of the year for 2020 is Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers, and we already talked about that. Yes. My second favorite record of the year is Haim, Women in Music, and we've already talked about that. Tempted to choose Waxahachie, St. Cloud, but I'm going to choose something off the beaten path that will surely get me into trouble. Last time I did this was with Drake, and I took a whipping. And I'm sure to take a further whipping today, <laughs> uh -oh. but I'm just going to uh -oh. go ahead and uh -oh. do this. Thing. All right. So if you've listened for a long time, you've heard me complain about white rappers with tattoos on their face and mumble rap. Yes. Oh, I know where this is well, going. Well, Doc, this year I am choosing a white rapper mumble rap record. All right. So there's three rappers that die from an OD 
all right in this period between 2019 and 18. Lil Peep, Mac Miller, and Juice World. Um, and, and actually, it was really funny. At dinner the other night, it's Dahlia, Georgia, and Dahlia's boyfriend, Sam. And we ranked those three artists. And each one of us had a different ranking of those three artists. I will say, generally speaking, amongst the kids, Juice World is the one that's like the Jimi Hendrix of that group or the, um, or the Kurt Cobain. Like, he's the guy who OD'd, huh. who nobody can believe it. Like, he's the true visionary, and the kids right. are absolutely nuts about him. Oh, wow. And my ranking of these three artists is Mac Miller, Juice World, and then Lil Peep. Um, I did not like these artists at first, and it was a challenge for me to come around on them. And actually, one of the things that helped was the, similar to the conversation we had about Hamilton. I came to the conclusion that they're not hip hop at all, that calling them hip hop is a mistake. Basically, because I'm like, this is none of the things that I come to hip hop for. It's not fun. It's slow as shit. They can't rap. Like, there's a lot of problems with this if you consider it to be hip hop. By the way, now I don't have to say anything at the end of this. Right. You. If you consider <laughs> this done. a whole different genre of music, like it's a completely different thing, then you have a better chance of actually liking it. And I thought Georgia put it super nicely. She was like, I was like, this is a whole different. I was like, those three artists, you would loop them together, right? And she's like, just because they died together? I'm like, no, because they're, they're, they're in the middle of their careers, they sound similar. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, what would you say about that genre? And she's like, it's as if Biggie Small's suicidal thoughts became like that song became an entire genre. It's just a genre about that song. Wow, that is like, a great insight. Don't you think it's completely on the money? Yes. Um, and these songs, like, so first of all, if you like popular music, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper. There's a, a freaking punk band called Suicidal Tendencies. Um, there's like a, a long history of this. Um, acts that are like I'm just too crazy to too crazy to live, and then they freaking die. Um, and Nirvana is an amazing example of it. Um, each generation has their own group of people who died, who somehow like raise in estimation to become more popular because they're dead. Um, as Paul si as Paul Simon once said, every generation throws a hero up the pop charts. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason why is because their art is about being too sad and insane and crazy to live. And then they go ahead and die and people are like, wow, I guess they meant it. And then they really, really like it. Um, those artists are a mixed bag. My favorite of the three is Mac Miller. In 2020, he puts out a posthumous record called Circles. Um, and it's a fantastic, amazing record. Um, it is not hip hop in any way, shape or form. It's nothing but really slow, sad ballads about how bummed out he is. Um, but that being said, I'm a 50 year old white guy. I've been here for a minute. You know what I mean? Like there's multiple artists that have put out long records filled with nothing but ballads about how sad they are that I'm like, ah, kind of like this. And so this one actually hits the sweet spot. But just to give you a, a, a picture of where he came from, Jeff, if you will do... 2010 Mac Miller, The Spins, and go to 30 seconds in. And while you're doing that, I'll explain. This is his first mixtape. He's a kid from Pittsburgh. He's just coming up. He's like, gets signed to this independent label in Pittsburgh and puts out this mixtape. The next album that he puts out, and I think 2011, 2012, is the first album since 1995 that was on an independent label that went to number one in the U.S. Like he's just on the complete come up. Wow. And at the beginning, he's, it's, it's just, in my opinion, bad white hip hop. It's like um, you'll hear this song is about smoking pot and getting head 
and taking whippets. And I'm like, I've heard of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I liked him better when they were the Beastie Boys. <laughs> that being said, this song is great. And we'll give you a flavor for like the happy version of Mac Miller. Just go to 30 seconds into this spin so you can hear the keyboard sound. Let's call, she bubbling. We fucking and you cuddling. Like, baby, where the fuck you been? I want to tell you she in love with him. So, so we ain't saying nothing. You could probably tell she bluffing because she kissed you. So first of all, he's a multi-instrumentalist and taught himself how to play multiple instrumentals, including apparently the keyboard's the greatest American hero. <laughs> the keyboard <laughs> sound like, made me laugh so no, hard. That's the um, meanest thing you've ever said. It's, but it's worse. It's um, it's the same sound as that's in. She's gonna be somebody. Oh yeah. Totally. It's even the same. It's actually the same chords as that song. It's sure, the same exact. But you say that like that's bad. No, like, no. Are you kidding? I fantastic. Love that. It's from uh uh Ridgemont, whatever. That's, fast times yeah. yeah and i will say like basically if you lay his work at this period against these other guys he's also a little older than those guys but like you can tell he can actually like he, he's a legit musician like he can really write some of the stuff he writes is kind of cheesy but again bless his heart for that um so he starts out in this like i'm a happy teenager likes to smoke pot and have sex vibe and i'm like now this is what i come for like i don't come for the keyboards but i'm happy to have that and like and for the girls, I'm like, wouldn't you rather listen to happy people who smoke pot and want to have sex? Dude, um, he and these other guys just, and so one of the things that happens with art and with music in particular, and I'll be curious if you guys agree with this, there's whole segments of music that are associated with drugs. So there's like psychedelic rock and that's like LSD and pot. And it's like, those bands are on those drugs and they're for people who are listening to those drugs. I'm not a huge expert in this, EDM is for people who are taking ecstasy slash Molly. That's the entire point of it. The people who are playing it and constructing it are on those drugs and the people show up and take those drugs. Um, this entire genre is for people who are on pain pills. That's what it is. That's why it's so freaking sad and mopey um, and why it's so low tempo is because it's that about that drug. It's for that drug. And again, I don't say that as praise. Like, that's super bad news. All three of these freaking guys OD'd on pain pills. Mac Miller, in 2019, when he dies, he's awoken by his personal assistant who's taking him to a video shoot. And again, remember, Prince died of fentanyl. Tom Petty died of fentanyl. Yeah. Like, fucking rich people who have doctors and personal assistants are dying in this shit. Right. Like, you want to wonder why there's a fucking OD crisis in this country? Like, it's horrible horrible it breaks my heart that and he's you know 26 i guess 27 when he dies but he's a kid like that a kid this talented yeah. who had so much on the ball mm. freaking just you know wrote songs about ODing and then eventually od'd like it just it really it literally makes me want to puke um that being said <laughs> this record produced jeff do you know who produced circles and swimming by mac miller no no clue at all our guy john bryan no way yeah man and dude when you hear the song circles you're gonna recognize it like oh this God. record is so freaking john so brian's the producer who worked with kanye west on his second album okay. and he's also amy mann's producer and he's oh, also yeah. multi-instrumentalist himself um he's a beautiful super tasteful really interesting producer and mac miller was basically like i'm leaving this cheesy rap thing i'm going in and he doesn't even like you'll hear he's basically just like mumbling sadly over beautiful beautiful orchestration um and swimming he did while he was alive and that's a transitional record 
And this, like, I'll actually be curious of the various people who died. I can't think of somebody whose best work was posthumous. Like that's the situation with this guy. Like the record that comes out after he's dead that he had in the can as he's ODing is just freaking fantastic. It's his best work by a country mile, in my opinion. Part of it maybe that John Bryan takes over it and basically releases it. He he, he cuts it all. Yeah. The first song in the record is called Circles, and it's a bit, it's just a demo that John Bryan turns into the song. You'll hear there's almost no percussion on the entire record. And the reason why there's no percussion is because it's almost all just demos that this guy was cutting on his own. And he's a multi-instrumentalist. The one thing he couldn't play is drums. Um, I believe, we'll see. I think Jeff might actually like the song Circles. It's a bass first song. um, And it's about basically this poor guy, man, he went into drug rehab, his family worked on him, his girlfriend worked on him. He kept trying to get clean and the album's called Circles and the song is called Circles because it just keeps ending back up where he started. He just can't get out. And the song presents Circles as if it's kind of a neutral thing, but it's obviously not. It's a cycle. He's in this freaking cycle where he cannot pull himself out of it. Jeff, oh, there's a beautiful, beautiful instrumental first 30 seconds. And I just wanted you to hear the lyrics. So Jeff, start maybe at 30 seconds uh, on the song Circle. Circles by Mac Miller. Well, this is what it looked like right before you fall. Stumbling around, you've been guessing your direction, except you can't see it all. And I don't have a name, I don't have a name. No. Who am I to blame? Who am I to blame? No. I cannot be changed, I cannot be changed, no Trust me, I've tried I'd stand up right at the start of the line Drawing circles mm-hmm. Well, I drink my whiskey You sip your wine we're doing well, sitting, watching the world falling down its decline And I can keep you safe, I can keep you safe mm. Do not be afraid, do not be afraid You're feeling sorry, I'm feeling fine don't you put any more stress on yourself it's one day at a time i mean what's what, what i'm grappling with here is here here's someone who's still making art and has enough motivation to create music uh and yet you know can barely speak while he's recording you know, it, so so that makes me wonder, like, to what extent is this an affect trying to present himself in a certain way that, of course, he then ultimately tragically fulfills? So to me, we had we had one of my favorite conversations was when we talked about Radiohead's The Bends, and then mm. also when I talked about Counting Crows. Like, I'm a like, listen, there's a I have a dark side for sure. I have sadness in me, um, and this sad music speaks to me. Um, I wish it didn't, uh, but it does. 
and this song and this vibe. Mm. Well, this is what it looks like right before you fall. It's the first line in this record. Mm. I mean, it's a posthumous record of a poor guy who OD'd. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really searing. But um, to me, it's like weirdly beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, um, and that that bass part, oh man, it haunts me. It reminds me of, um, and this is a really hurt touch feelings. It reminds me of the end of Third Stone from the Sun. Like the, yeah, like the, yeah. Like just like that deep, deep, deep bass part playing it out as it goes. Um, and the, the, the song bounces all over the place. It's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's like, I can keep you safe. It's like, uh, I'm not a good feeling about that. Yeah. Um, but the, you, I drink my whiskey, you sip your wine, watching the world falling down its decline. It's like, it's tough. It's tough. That's tough. And listen, I'll just note um, we had an amazing, super fun. Uh, family trip and actually sadly by family I mean not including India but Dahlia finished up in Denmark and me and Dahlia and Georgia traveled in Europe for a couple of weeks and then Dahlia's buddy Maya came and um, we had some really 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 lovely dinners and great times uh, and we also had some really frank talks about how they feel about the world and they were incredibly negative yeah yeah sharply negative like just like everything's in decline can't believe how bad it is surely it's only gonna get worse um and, and I was like, kind of arguing with them. And they were like, oh, but you know, you're, you and your generation are such optimists. And I was like, oh, good Lord, really? Like, that's where I we're know. at? Oh my like, God. I generation have this... X are the optimists? <laughs> like, I got some bad news for you. Isn't it unbelievable? I've never felt like such a Homer pennant waving, like, like, keep breathing oxygen. You never know. As I do when I talk to 17 to 20, including my own kid who like, you know, has very good, has he's a scientist, right? He's got scientific proof that I'm full of shit, that things are going to be okay. Right, right. And I still find myself like, yeah, but once they start to figure out how to get rid of the carbon, it's all good. Right. It's good. Just keep working on that carbon thing, son. Well, I'm sure you'll figure something, you know? <sighs> it's interesting. This reminded me, this reminds me of um, a Lou Reed record without the posturing. Of, it's interesting. It's a different kind of posturing, like Lou Reed's posturing was like, I'm a tough New Yorker, yeah. even though he was like five, four and 106 pounds and, you know, about as tough as, a, as the downy snuggle bear. But um, this is a different kind of posturing of like, as you point out, Tim, there's a deliberate, the, the, I, I assume he's not actually so high as to be that incapacitated, but he knows that's the voice of his, that's the voice of the community. Right. I mean, and all he has to do is sing like that. Yeah. And there's a whole group of people who are like, yep. Oh, yeah. Um, Although I, keep in mind, like this is this is a post hip hop record. There's this hip hop that sounds like that. I mean, yeah, what, yeah. what passes this hip hop. But that's mm. what the mumble rap thing is for sure. And actually, and that, that's the thing that's funny about it is that's why I like this record so much is I like it so much better singing. I like yeah. it so much better singing when it when it's kind of in the neighborhood of rap. I'm like, oh, what is going on here? Yeah. But when it's just a sad dude, like his face <laughs> jammed up against the mic, mumbling into it, like that works for me. Um, I read American Pill. I, if you haven't read it, people, I strongly recommend it, which is about the Oxycontin right. phenomenon and the, you know, just people driving from Kentucky to Florida and back and just getting the pill mills, just like shamelessly writing scripts for anybody who came in with anything. Um, Unbelievable. And yeah, like there's uh you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a user of drugs. I'm actually quite the teetotaler. Um, but, uh, I'm not, 
I don't have any um, moral objection, but some drugs are just, they're just too dangerous to be worth it. Like fentanyl is obviously, oh, yeah. the human body is just not evolved to the point where the benefits that are going to be gained from using it are worth the risk. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's carving up the country. Mm -hmm. I, I'm totally with you, Ben. Like, and then, you know, we were raised, one thing about Generation X, we were raised to see drug use as a sign of coolness. Like drug users were counterculture. They pushed back. They weren't square. They thought outside the box. Like our heroes, our artistic, and even maybe our other kinds of heroes, like there was a certain level of drug use that was, uh, but I just feel like that's- Oh, do you the, think that's, that's true? Because I also think there was a huge 70s pushback. Like, I feel like if I was 10 years older, I would have done a lot more hard, I mean, a lot more hard drugs. Like I just saw what happened to the kids who were five, 10 years older than I was. And I was like, stay off the hard stuff. No yeah, coke, I think that's no right. heroin, no pills. Like, I, like there's a, there's a limited band of things that I was willing to try. Yeah. I guess you're um, probably right about that. And then yeah, I don't think that's Len true. Bias and Len, the kids yeah, Len bias was really, that oh, was a moment right. for all of us, huh? Oh, Jesus. And the, this, the thing with the pills, like, uh, so I've had knee surgery and I've had gum surgery and I've taken Oxycontin. Um, although apparently you have to grind it up and I'm not suggesting this, but apparently you have to grind it up and snort it to know what it's actually, that's how you get addicted to it. Right. Um, but I've taken it as a pain pill and I'm like, all it does is make you feel nothing. Like, it just makes me sad. Like yeah. when people describe to me taking ecstasy, I've never taken ecstasy, but I'm like, well, that, that sounds okay. Yeah. Like, right. I, I take know. a pill and I stay up all night dancing. I mean, I'm sad <laughs> for a couple of days after that, but that's awesome. Because I like to stay up all night and I like to dance. That would be I great. When people describe smoking pot, I'm like, that would be amazing. You know, mushrooms and acid, I'm a little more worried about, but they're like, oh, you see this other world. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, the Oxycontin thing, I'm like, I just don't get that at all. No, yeah. That's just not for yeah. me. But the thing that's infuriating is you know how easy it is to make a pill disengage its uh, effects once you crush it up. Like, it's just like one little in the lab. And uh, they just wouldn't do it because they knew they knew the real market for their drug was addicts. And like for de for uh, 10 years, they were like, just change the chemistry of the pills. So when it's crushed, it loses its its potency. And they were like, nope, because That's they awesome. knew uh, they knew. Well, dude, and now it's all like the money was. made in China. And some of yep. it's like and, and, and yeah. And I mean, all sorts all sorts of black market. Uh, prescription drugs including i assume to be a sunday abortion drugs you no know, pills were the first drugs i was right. offered i was at a slumber party when i was 10 and 10 one of the kids had, yeah Shoot. one of the kids had a bunch of black beauties you remember when that we were supposed to be afraid of black beauties they were like some kind of low rent barbiturate yeah. but they were like you know they were selling i remember this guy brought drugs to sell to his friends to a slumber party bad look but i was like i'm not taking that and they're like why it's you know and i'm like you so you say I've always been like, I'm yeah. not putting any pill in my mouth that I didn't procure myself. Like, well, I never, ever uh, wanted to try acid. And I had a buddy in high school who was on the golf team and he used to drop acid before golf matches. I was like, Rob, isn't that really hard? He's like, no, it's great, man. I mean, every once in a while, a bush will run across the fairway, but other than that, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I never did cocaine because I, I was trying to imagine what would I would be like on cocaine. And I was like, I can barely stand myself as I am. If you put coke in me, like, 
I'd have no friends left in like two hours. Oh, hey, hours. I had an actual question for this. So I mentioned what I thought LSD music was and what pot was and what uh -huh. ecstasy was. What's cocaine music? Oh, heavy metal. Like that oh, really- Oh, is it kickstart your heart? Yeah, that, was that my really trebly, right. like when they took all the bass out of music, like I think Metallica's Injustice for All is the ultimate cocaine record. It's just like your teeth are on edge grinding and it's all high end. <laughs> and like all of it is like- well, that's, it's not nothing above enough, the zero deep. But the faster is like blackened. Blackened to me is what cocaine sounds like. But uh, or at least you're the not drip. having enough fun on cocaine. That's why I chose Kickstart Your Heart. I think that's a better selection. You're probably right. You're probably right. But I think that's the drug for cocaine. Which like came when from you a heroin the... overdose, right? Didn't 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 he over OD on heroin and everything, man? And everything. First of all, I can strongly recommend that book. I can't wait. That that's, that's on my list. All right, Timmy, get, bring us home, man. That and Lonesome Duck. We oh, went can I recommend? We Can I recommend Christian a book really quick? To crushing up pills. It's but speaking well. of like speaking of American uh, quote unquote heroes, I I'm late to the game, but I finally read The Kid Stays in the Picture, the Robert Evans autobiography. It's good. Ha huh? Have you read this? No. Tom? Okay, I'm going to send you as a gift the audiobook, which is Robert Evans reading his own book. And I mean, I couldn't stop listening. I listened to three and a half hours in one sitting because Robert Evans is just like. She was a fine lady, and I took her out, and I had a horse and carriage waiting for her. And she turned out all right. Her name was Grace Kelly. I mean, this guy's life is just, and his voice, his voice is just like 30-year-old scotch. It's so listenable. I, Good Lord. The kid stays in the picture. Robert Evans' audiobook, ladies and gentlemen. Must listen. All right. Well, I am bringing it home in 2020. You know, um, this artist also had some demons in 2020 and what she started doing, she started walking around the house uh, singing Dylan and somehow with Dylan coursing through her veins, she was able to pull herself out of it. We're going to go with Emma Swift. Nice. And blonde on the tracks, an album of Dylan covers. Um, that's like nothing I've ever heard before. And I want to pick One of Us Must Know, Jeff Simons. And I corresponded with Emma Swift earlier today, asking her questions about this. I'm going to tell you about that after one minute and 40 seconds of One of Us Must Know. Blonde on the Tracks by Emma Swift. Be 
voice a beautiful voice and i just love how she interprets dylan these songs that i've i've been singing my whole life and she's bringing this new uh perspective to them um and jeff this kind of brings us full circle we're talking about your bravery and your boldness as an artist like you know what? i'm i'm gonna put my my thing out there and and give it a try um i can't imagine <laughs> uh covering dylan and putting it out there it's interesting because, like, I actually covered this exact song in my last show, Tim. Oh, fun! I don't know if you knew that, yeah. Um, one of the great things about Dylan, though, is um, there his recordings are typically so bare bones, and then it's like third take, and it's like done, move on. That there's all this room to mess with the arrangement, like add a little extra here, mm. change a pronoun there. Like she does, she uh, doubles the length of the four before she goes to the five in the chorus, which I actually did too. And I was like, love that she did that. The song oh, works fun. so much better that way. Like I always feel like in the original, as much as I love it, like Dylan's rushing to get through all the, the words and he just at, at the expense of the arrangement. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's just, that was super good. I like, uh, I just like the, uh, it reminds me of, um, Amy Lou Harris's Wrecking Ball record, which mm. is another record yeah, I really love. Yeah, it sounds like Lanois. I mean, it yeah. sounds like Time Out of Mind, too. Or yeah. No yeah. Mercy. Had you guys, have you guys heard this album? Yeah, I, I listened to it when it came out. I like her. She's got one uh, original song on Spotify called The Soft Apocalypse, which is good, too. Yeah. Trump-inspired. What about and you, she... Beth? Uh, no, first time hearing it. I'm digging it. Oh. Great choices, too, Ben. She's... um. She's totally a Dylanologist because um, she does uh, Queen Jane, I Contain Multitudes, One of Us Must Know, Simple Twist, Sad-Eyed Lady, The Man in Me, Going, Going, Gone, and You're a Big Girl Now. Oh, wow. The good okay. list. Yeah. Great. No, uh, no, no Tangled, no Like a Rolling Stone, right? Meanwhile, Derek Webb, his one Dylan cover was Times There Are Changing. Done, <laughs> in, done in the same key acoustic guitar and vocal just a raw uh, Derek total cover so well he just had faith that it was gonna go well it did too he's pretty good it did. yeah well uh Emma Swift uh I asked her some big questions when was this recorded is it pre-covid post-covid how'd you feel about covering Dylan uh and all of these questions will be answered on next week have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric 
Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Electrocast.